0: The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good
1: afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I am Austin Peterson, your host, and joined, as always, by my co-host, the best co-host in the business, Landon Mance, coming to us live this week again from the Mance Family Mance in Dana Point, California. So we're happy that you were able to take some time away from the uh, surfing and the sunshine to join us on the radio program today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely happy to make myself available. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh as frequently as we have ryan weissmuller on the program uh, our guests are, or excuse me our listeners should be uh used to having ryan on the program now ryan is a, a friend of the program an important part of what we do here at uh at tycoons small biz and we're excited to have you in the studio again with us today ryan great to be back as always Jim. yeah so do not adjust your uh tv sets this is not a commercial for you know with before and after photos of uh You know, just for men, for example, I would be the before. Landon would be the uh, after, and Ryan's kind of like halfway through. Not sure how to take that. Just (laughs) gonna let that one go. Well, you don't have as much gray in your beard as I do. Is is what is what I was getting at. So, all right, that one fell flat. It doesn't happen often, but my jokes do fall flat from time to time. So. Let's jump in. So, you know, Ryan, I think we've got so many topics that we could discuss uh, with what's going on. I mean, obviously we know we just came through this worldwide pandemic and and we're certainly not on the other side of it hundred uh, percent yet. We still see it in our, in our day-to-day. Um, you know, my family's trying to plan vacations this summer because it's that, you know, inevitable last summer that my youngest child's going to be home before heading off to college. And so we're trying to kind of cram some things in and you know, we got problems. American Airlines is canceling flights. Southwest is canceling flights. And so trying to, to schedule everything and then the Delta variant, we're flying through London where we were trying to go. So, you know, it, it's we're, we're definitely not all the way through this. But at the same time, uh, the, the biggest part of it's over. I feel like the economy is turning a little bit. Uh, The relief, you know, packages and so forth that have been out there with government aid to help small businesses is kind of non-existent going forward, except for maybe restaurants and a a few other, you know, venues, for example. But there's also so much that has kind of just changed. And all of our listeners are not in Arizona, um, but I do want to start with kind of the tax update with what's going on in Arizona and what, you know, Governor Ducey's done recently because, It is kind of a big thing i mean when it when it came out and and everything was kind of signed into law last year there were many business owners that i saw posting on linkedin like making plans to get out of the state because it was so detrimental to business owners so why don't we just kind of start with explaining a little bit about what was signed back then and kind of where we are today so that uh, the business owners here in Arizona understand what we're talking about and how, how impactful it is.
3: Sure. So what, what you're referring to in, in just the brief history is, is Proposition 208, which was controversial at the time. And, and I will preface all this. My wife's a former teacher. She's still in the education space. So I'm, I'm very pro-ed. What that initiative did was, was raise taxes significantly on higher income earners in Arizona. To the point where i think it would have made us one of the top six or seven uh state income taxed uh states in the country so there was to, to your point austin and i had dealt with that a lot with clients of ours there was some real fear of okay i'm moving my business to nevada or you know i've got to be careful because this is a real material impact so what uh what, what just signed was signed into law by governor ducey a, a week or two ago actually a few changes. And, and I would preface all this by saying, talk to your individual CPA to find out exactly how this fits you, because there's a lot of fine print here, but I'll, I'll give you the clip notes version. Effectively, what it did for, for 2021 was was cap the um, cap, the, the income tax rate uh, in the state of Arizona. So it's effectively the same as it was prior. And then they've made some fairly sizable changes to the tax code going forward in 2022. And, and they're on. That again are going to cap it, so it, it will still stay uh, competitive. The other interesting wrinkle that's popped into this is there's actually now an exemption for business owners who have pass-through income, which a lot of them, I'm sure your clients and and certainly companies we work with and, and most small businesses are pass-through entities. So it actually gives them the ability to select uh, an even lower rate. So really, what this does, I think. We'll see how the dust settles on this, you know, it it tears down over the course of I think three or four years through 2026, but the the long and the short of it and the solace everyone can take away now is don't panic, your your taxes aren't going up dramatically, Arizona is still going to be competitive, which was another concern of having more businesses come here because we've seen this influx from, you know, Washington, California, other states. So I think on the whole for the business community, very, very, very good news. It's been celebrated in the business circles. Um, But but for the individual specifics, talk to your talk to your tax accountant, as always, and find out how it affects um, how it affects you and if there is any tweaking in terms of course of action you want to take. Yeah, always good
1: advice. And, you know, that's the that's the thing is that Arizona has I wouldn't say specifically necessarily under, under Governor Ducey, but he, he's definitely pro-business and has pushed so many things to, to make businesses want to come to the state of Arizona. And that was, when that hit, it was something that just kind of fell flat. And all of a sudden, you've got business owners who are thinking, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, because as we all know, business owners specifically with pass-through income, whether it's going into their pocket or not, they're high-income earners. It puts a, a very big detriment to the bottom line and and what investments they make in hiring new employees and driving you know forward the overall tax base in our country in our not our country but in our state.
3: Yeah, and I and I think just in general, I mean, I had one CEO say to me basically, "Why why would I continue to take the risk?" Yeah, and so you know, the, the, the entrepreneurialism in general is a risk reward proposition. You know, yes, there can be a nice payout at the end, but there's a lot of risk that goes along with that, and so. I think just just as you said, there's a bit of a deep breath, a pause, and I think in light of still all the other disruption you're talking about, it's it's a piece of good news for the business community for for Arizona in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now we've got to pivot. So let's get kind of the the, the tax stuff out of the way early in the program, but let's talk about taxes overall, right? Because Biden's you know put his tax proposal forward. There are a lot of things in there that have got a, a lot of people very nervous. 1031 exchanges. I talked to commercial real estate brokers and, and developers, and they're very nervous about the 1031 exchange provision that's in there. Capital gains. You know, there's a lot of things that we can kind of unpackage. So I'll I'll follow your lead, and you can talk to us about uh, what you think is is most impactful. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I I think that the first and foremost, and and I, I, with with most any advice I'm giving entrepreneurs, it's just take a deep breath because there there have been a lot of things talked about. Uh, there've been a lot of things discussed. The odds of some of that ever becoming law are 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 extremely unclear. So, so you know, hearing what you're saying about 1031 and even specific provisions. I mean, at at one point, if you recall in the in the original Biden proposals, he was talking about massive changes to 401ks, which would have had some pretty significant impacts. So, so where that ultimately shakes out, I I think we're gonna see. I, I would first and foremost just urge a little bit of caution. There, there are you know, talks of getting rid of, of 1031s or at least significantly capping those, their talk of capital gains tax going up, obviously income tax going up. I mean, a lot of these things, again, are going to impact the small business. But the other thing that I would I would point to is you're not really seeing a ton get done in Washington super quickly right now anyway. And that's been the case for a while. Even Trump's tax cuts, uh, you know, the, the tax, or tax cuts and jobs act, I think it was called. Um, it, it took 18 months to pass. And it changed a lot from where it started so i I would urge a little bit of caution i mean are there odds that taxes are going to go up at some point under this administration probably but again looking at a looking at a trend and i actually saw a fantastic piece of um uh, imagery the other day that was a slide that was just showing what tax rates have done over the last i think 45 years in the in the united states they go up they go down they go up they go down but when you look at entrepreneurial production over that period of time, it really hasn't taken a sharp decline as a result. There, there's going to be, you know, the good entrepreneurs are going to figure out a way to work through this. Don't panic. Don't let it, you know, cause you to uh, to all of a sudden make a massive decision differently. The one thing that's been interesting, and, and I'll touch on this for a second. I know we were going to touch on M&A a little bit today, but we're actually seeing... Uh, potential buyers, PE and others, use taxes as a scare tactic to try to encourage sellers to dump their businesses. Hey, I, you know, capital gains are going to go up next year. You better sell this now and try to get some lower prices. And again, that may make sense if the price tag's big enough, but but, urge some caution. Don't panic. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and, and from everything, I mean, a, again, if you look at it, if you look at how slim the margin is in the Senate, the odds of a massive overhaul, I think, at this point are pretty slim. And just pay very close attention. And and again, your local CPA is is probably as good of a resource as any. To, and how some of this might impact you directly, but don't don't hit the panic button just yet.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely early, right? And and you know, just because it bears repeating, we aren't giving any tax advice on the program today. Just want to make sure that that's very clear. But the reality is, it's important to know what how it could potentially affect you and make decisions and. You know, you talk about PE groups and and other groups that are out there trying to, you know, use this as a scare tactic. Landon and I were on a conference this morning talking about growth and exit planning and how that is actually the case where a transaction that took place recently where for years and years and years, we're talking about deferring taxes or doing anything that we can to minimize taxes. And all of a sudden, we do have business owners who are saying, let's just pay them because I don't want to risk. That, it, that they are right and that it's going to go up. You know, it, it likely is going to go up. Will it be as dramatic as what's proposed? Probably not. Um, but you do see that business owner taking a little bit different tact and saying, you know what, let's let's kind of take some of that risk off the table. And, you know, I don't want to write a big check to the IRS, but it's probably a smart thing to do.
3: And, and I, think it, I think it goes to, too, and we, I mean, I know we've, we've all talked about this a lot because I think we see the world so similarly, but it, it stresses all the more importance of having the right team of people around you. You know, if, if you don't have a tax accountant that you can have these in-depth conversations with, that's feeding you some information on how something might impact you, you might want to get a new one, um, you know, because having that right team from a wealth perspective, from a tax perspective, from a legal perspective, uh, I, I think now as much as any with with just all the potential, you know, the dust has settled on Simmons. There's a lot more dust to settle elsewhere. Having those resources, I don't think's ever been more important. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we saw through the through the pandemic and some of the real chaos. And, and I know a number of companies that were burned. They didn't have the right, you know, strategic partners around them. So um, you know, seek that out, get it. You're not going to get a concrete answer on you should definitely do this, but at least understand your options and how you navigate some things. I even remember when the uh, you know the qualified business deduction first came out as parts of the part of the you know last tax bill. I mean. There was a lot of different machinations and, and different ways people were talking about things, but you're still seeing good advice from, from good people. I don't think there should ever be a shortage of that.
1: So, yeah, I, I agree. I think actually that's how you and I first met each other was a webinar that you did on qualified business deductions. And and that's how I got the, uh, the intro to Ryan W., as we say. And I, I actually want to hit on the team thing. So I'm going to take that a little bit step, uh, you know, one step further and I'm going to let Landon jump in here. But The importance of having a team is the reality is your tax person looks at things through a tax lens, your attorney looks through things through a legal lens, right? Your financial planner looks through things through a financial lens, you know, so you, you put them all around the table at the same time and they can each weigh in on those aspects of a decision that you're making so that you can make the right decision overall rather than a myopic decision based on one aspect of who your main advisor should be and that's really the importance of having a a team a team around you but a team that collaborates together and and is truly sitting around that table together
3: couldn't agree more and that's a i I think you've hit it right on the head having it's a team it's always a team it takes a village and, and I think the other the other side, as you see, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen it, too. We see we see mistakes sometimes with entrepreneurs where if you rely too heavy on your tax CPA, for example, you might be very cautious or you might just be doing things for tax reasons that don't make sense elsewhere. You know, if you're only thinking about long term appreciation, you might miss some things on the tax side. So I totally agree with you that well-rounded advice and getting the right people. I mean you know, there's advisory boards, there's those, uh, you know, those strategic partners that I think all those groups fall into. But that's a, that's an easy no brainer best practice that every business out there should be should be doing if they aren't already, because, you know, the right people, they're vested interest in your business. Um, You know, that's, that's kind of say free advice, but it's it's as close to it as you're going to get.
1: Yeah. One last point I want to make and sorry, Landon, you just made you just sparked this with me. So One important thing for all business owners to understand is that there is a big difference between tax preparation and tax planning. And if you don't have a CPA who's doing tax planning with you and is just preparing what you bring to them at the end of the season, you either need a separate one to do tax planning, or I would recommend that you're looking elsewhere for somebody who's truly going to have a planning meeting with you to understand the impact of taxes on you personally and on your business and not just prepare what you bring to them at the end of
3: the year and and now is not a bad time to start thinking about planning for you know you have more visibility to start thinking about planning for next year and i even i would even take it further beyond cpas if you don't have an insurance resource that's doing that for you if you don't have an attorney that's asking a lot of questions before they draft a document for you that's important in any of these providers to make sure you're, you're getting out and having some proactive discussions. You don't need an order taker. That's not going to help you because if your order might be wrong. Yeah, absolutely.
2: All right, man, Austin, you uh, addressed a couple questions that I wanted to, uh, to ask. So you, 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 you emptied my uh, barrel a bit here, but, but no, I certainly <laughs> have plenty, have plenty so, more. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly have plenty more, you know, Ryan, you, You you talk about that a lot. You you talk about this proverbial bench. You know, making sure that you've got the right strategic advisors and partners, kind of on that bench. And you know, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are, or suggestions or recommendations to owners around that. Because how does how does an entrepreneur how how do how does he know he or she know if they have the right advisors that you know they're working with now. This is not a commercial for Ryan and his team or, or for Austin and myself, but, you know, if I was to kind of describe Ryan and, you know, and your team at, and, at Fintrepid, I would kind of describe you guys as these almost like Einstein's of, you know, important business decisions with a focus on kind of the financial side of it. You know, you're a CPA. Um, you know, by by trade. I don't think you're a practicing CPA anymore. Austin, and I have gotten to know you and your team and your capabilities and your thought leadership. And uh, you guys are really uniquely positioned in the market to be this, this this strategic partner sitting alongside your entrepreneurs and advising them in some extremely important matters around finance and operations and, and, you know, mergers and acquisitions. So again, this is not a commercial for you guys, but I, Austin and I, we know personally how good you guys are, at what you do, but for other, for entrepreneurs out there that they don't know if they've got a good team on their bench or not, how do they, how do they address that? What are some, maybe some questions that they can ask just to, to kind of do a, a checkup on their team to make sure they've got the right people in place.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and I don't, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the best answer that I can. And, and I think in general, it's about just trying to understand as best you can, where are your gaps? So, so for most businesses, you know, even most entrepreneurs, most founders, they have a, a background in something. So maybe it's sales, maybe it's operations, maybe they're you know maybe they're they're more of a, a creative type and invented a product. Um, you know, some of them do you know have a, a very strong financial background and then and then put the operations around them. So I I think first and foremost, and the biggest thing I would say in that realm to any entrepreneur is know what you don't know, because that's going to help you. You know, if, if you're all of a sudden getting into a position where. Uh, you know, maybe you're all of a sudden, you know, dealing with some things internationally, or or maybe all of a sudden you've you've now hit a point where where yeah, taxable income is really going to start mattering. That that's a good time if you don't have a good a good tax you know accountant on on board to to to, to reach out and to find one. And and I think you know in, in terms of uh, in terms of the criteria for those partners, to me again, it's all about fit. Um, you know, you you've got to have people with no different than within your team, but also around it is is someone that's a good cultural fit. Someone you can sit across the table from and have good, uh, you know, good dialogue, good productive dialogue. And, and sometimes that can be tense, productive dialogue, but, but someone who's not afraid, you know, to, to, to speak truth and, and, and to speak with candor and, and, and to keep you from, from falling off a ledge. Because it's, let's be honest, it's, and, and we're all entrepreneurs ourselves, it's hard. The entrepreneurial journey is hard. Um, and and, you know, you, you hear about it. I mean, we had a, we had a client that sold their business about a year or just before COVID. And I mean, they've been at it for 16 years. Now, a lot of people are going to go, Oh, look at the overnight success. Look what you did. 16 years of grinding for about 13 of it. So it's not easy, but I think just understanding if you can get a sense of where you're strong, every business should have around them because you're going to need them at some point, a good tax accountant, a good financial planner, you know, a good insurance resource, a, a good attorney. I mean you think about some of those things that are just just basics and then you know depending on where your business is are you do you have a really young uh you know sales team that doesn't have a lot of experience maybe that's the time to bring in you know there's some great kind of outsourced sales resources that you can pull in or or find some training um you know it, I mean we we've got clients that that you know brought some manufacturing in house there's resources to help you basically map out a, a, a manufacturing floor and how you run things efficiently so First and foremost, it's just a matter of understanding what what you have and where the gaps are. There's lots of great tools out there and and people out there to help you solve that. But I think the second part of the equation is the fit. Um, I mean, we're yeah, we've been very blessed. We've worked with some amazing companies. We're not a fit for everybody. And and that could be because the skill set doesn't align. It could be just because, you know, culturally we don't align or we see the things a little bit differently. And there's no right or wrong answer to it. So I think I, I think that's the key, and and then leverage the network that you do have. I mean, one thing I'm a big proponent of, and I know Austin is too, is peer groups. I mean, the, the vestiges of the world, the EOs, um, you know, that there's so many of those out there, formal or informal. But that's a great way too to you know talk to to different peers of okay, who are you using? What might I be missing? Do some information share because having that. Having, I, I would tell you having that that external team is is as important as the internal one, uh, because at some point you're going to need them. And when that when that big pivot comes along, when that sale opportunity comes along, when you do all of a sudden hit it, um, you know, we have a client uh, last year out of nowhere that that just got they were fortuitous in their positioning. I had an absolute banner year during COVID. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> So you know you have those things ahead of time and you're you're prepared for it. Um, so just be, be proactive. I mean, I know I preach that a ton, but be proactive and and have the right team. And again, if you're not getting it, the other one I add to that is a good bank. You're going to need them too. So now's the time. I wouldn't I wouldn't wait a minute. Evaluate that. You know, do you have the right people in place? I mean, on the banking front, for a second, if you've got a bank that you're basically at the the max of what they can lend you, you might want to be thinking about what you do next. <laughs> And that happens. Or or a, or a bank that's just not giving you customer service or a bank that you had a hard time with last time. I mean, now's the time to be thinking about these things. You don't want to be scrambling to get a CPA or a lender or an attorney when you need it. Get it ahead of time so you have time to really vet it.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, just what, what, what are the banks doing these days? But let's spend a couple minutes and talk about um, the MA. and world and buying and selling of of private businesses. Uh, I know that you and your team, you guys do a lot of advising and consulting and work with business owners when they're looking to acquire or, you know, potentially sell their business. So, you know, when we look at the statistics, Ryan, of private business owners, I'm sorry, uh, private businesses that actually transact, you know, or, or sell when they're listed for sale, the, the percentage is not great Uh, i think it's somewhere between 20 to 25 percent of businesses that are actually listed for sale will successfully sell on the terms that they want so talk to us a little bit about that world you know what's going on in the small and mid-sized markets place and uh, what are you what are you guys seeing what trends are you guys seeing Mm -hmm.
3: i i I think first off and this is probably no surprise i mean the market is still very hot Um, i mean we really we had, a, we had a, a client that sold their business in uh, May of last year. I mean, two months after COVID started. And it really hasn't, I mean, you can really probably say since Q3, Q4 of last year to now, it hasn't slowed. Um, and I'm guessing you guys are seeing the same thing. So it's still very, very active out there. I, I think, you know, certainly there's a lot of PE money. There's strategic buyers that are seeing opportunities. A, a, a couple of things that I think we're seeing or or maybe some, some tips or words of caution is, <laughs> Number one, it's it's very easy as an entrepreneur um, when you there's kind of two mindsets. You have your mind made up that I'm gonna, I'm I'm ready to sell my company. I'm gonna sell. What I would say in that instance is make sure you have a plan B because just like you brought up, Landon, a lot of times these deals don't close or don't close the first time. We had we had a client that their sale process ended up being about eighteen months and it did finally sell, but to the third buyer um, because you can how much I, I think entrepreneurs underappreciate how how much goes into selling the company and how much you you have to potentially take your eye off the ball operationally, how much a buyer is going to dig in. I think that's another piece that's very underestimated. Is just the level of due diligence involved. And I, and I think that's, you know, part of why that's been a, a real skill set for us is because we know how to do it. And, and a lot of people just get blindsided by it. I mean, when you see even the initial list that the buyer's looking for, um, you know, it can it can cause a small heart attack. So, so, I think I, I think but having that plan b and and one of the things we always tell business owners is run it like you're going to own it. and And if you do that well enough, a buyer is going to come along if 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 you're valuable and and pay you the money anyway. But if all you're doing is putting all your eggs in that basket of selling and you don't sell, you may have a problem. and and you may have a hiccup, you may have some reversion. Um, and that could lead to some some bigger challenges. So I think that's that's first and foremost, number one. I think on the other side, and, and we're still seeing a lot of this, too, is unsolicited offers. You know, companies just coming out of the blue and, hey, we'd like to buy your company for X. I, I would The advice I would give to entrepreneurs is, is if that's even on the radar, and I would tell you for 90% of the companies out there, it should be because you never know, always be ready. I, I mean, that's a, we, I had that conversation with the, with the CEO the other day. I mean, get up every day, at least knowing you're <laughs> you're ready. To show something to somebody externally if you had to. And if you can't do that, that would scare me about what's happening internally. Because, you know, they're gonna ask for some basic information. You should have some command on some of these kinds of things. So run it, run it like you're ready to present it to somebody. And I think if you do those two things, the rest to some extent takes care of itself because there is retrading. Um, you know, somebody finds something in due diligence they don't like. There are still a lot of buyers out there that are trying to lowball. Uh, And we're certainly seeing that as well, or or change, you know, another one that's been very common, I think we're even seeing more of it now, is buyers trying to push holdbacks or earnouts or, you know, less cash up front, because they're concerned about the COVID impact and want to see, you know, trends really hold. That can be dangerous. And and I've seen a plenty of time where, you know, the only money a, a, a seller ever sees is what they get up front. Make sure you understand that make sure you know, are the criteria very clear? Um, you know if you are comfortable with that can can you truly treat that as, as just upside and are you comfortable getting the cash that you you get day one because that might be all you ever see
2: mm-hmm. i think just
3: some of those some of those surprises really take entrepreneurs off guard and and that's something we run into a lot but there's a lot of good deals to be had i mean you know I, i'm trying to even i couldn't even tell you the dollar amount we were involved in last year but i mean it, it's awesome to be a part of that it's awesome to see an entrepreneur realize their dream and and uh, you know, get rewarded for all that risk that we took. But there's, there's a lot of pitfalls and frustration and lots of nights of sleep. But I think, um, again, just being a little bit proactive, you can, you can avoid some of that and, and having a good attorney around you to navigate you through it, having a good CPA, you know, both of them to look at the structure of the deal and make sure that, you know, you're not getting yourself into trouble. Um, that stuff's, I mean, just key that don't wait till the last minute.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you made many, many good points. And it's, uh every time you made a good point that was relevant to me, you know, light bulb was going off. I had a client forward me an email yesterday. And um uh this particular client has a, a really cool, successful uh, company based out of Las Vegas in the travel industry. And uh this client got decimated last year, but uh now they're you know they're having the best year of you know, of their, uh, of their lives. So, uh, and, and the email that she forwarded me was uh from a, it was an unsolicited email from a guy uh, representing some wealthy investors saying that uh, they're looking to buy a business, you know, in this, in this space. And uh, this particular client has received multiple different emails from people, just unsolicited offers wanting to sit down with them and buy their, you know, buy their business. So I would definitely agree that uh, it is certainly a seller's um, market right now. Um, I'm Austin and I are in the market looking for a wealth management practice to buy. And we would say it's probably 30 buyers, 30, 30 to 50 buyers to every seller. Um, Separate from that, I'm also looking uh, with an outside partner to acquire a bookkeeping and accounting practice. And again, I'd probably say it's 30 buyers to every uh, seller. So no doubt it is a a seller's market right now. But I love how you say you you just have to be prepared, right? You have to be prepared at all times because you never know when that unsolicited offer is going to come in off the street. And if you're not ready... You know, you may not have that that chance again. So I, I love that advice. But, um, Ryan, talk to us about what's going on with the banks right now. Um, you know, there's there's a lot for them to consider as companies are, you know, possibly coming out of one of the worst years of their businesses' lives and now possibly coming in to the best. So how are they approaching that with uh, deals?
3: That that has been. Um one of the more interesting things we have seen and, and frankly you don't hear it being talked about a lot um and and we are we've seen enough of it where i think it's certainly all anecdotal based on our experience but i mean there are there are definite trends that we are seeing and and we're in the middle of uh, a number of things with lenders right now i, I think one is um they they're not all but there are probably six or seven different ways we are seeing lenders look at the past 18 months in terms of evaluating performance. And it's anywhere from some are really almost taking like Q2 of last year and kind of throwing that out. Some are really looking very heavily at, at maybe last six, nine month trends. Some are adding PPP back in, a portion of PPP. Um, you know, some are going way back and really trying to understand even, you know, 17, 18, 19. It's... it's I, I don't think there's one set credit box on how it's um, how it's being assessed. So, so the one thing we're telling business owners is, if you don't know how your bank's looking at you right now, you need to, because you may not need money today, but but you know most companies have have a renewal uh, with, with with their lender, or um, you know maybe it's covenant situations that you want to get out ahead of, or, or maybe you just are going to need money down the road. You don't want to find out um, that you're going to have a problem, you know, if, or, or very early on. The other thing that's or very late on, I should say, the other thing that's transpiring is I, I think as a result of COVID, a number of lenders and, and you know, perfect example here, we saw the news with Wells Fargo, where they're getting rid of personal lines of credit entirely across the bank. A lot of lenders are making decisions that they don't want to be in certain industries. You know, I know one decent size kind of regional lender uh, has completely exited the the restaurant space. Took, took it pretty hard in, in COVID, so understandably so, but... Um, just understanding the shifting preferences of some banks. And, and do you still, you know, are you all of a sudden a great performing company in a less desirable industry? As far as your bank's concerned, that may totally catch you by surprise, but, but it's good to, to know and understand those questions because I, I there is still, there is, I, and I'm very confident in this. There is a ton of money out there from the banking perspective. Uh, lenders are flush, lenders are much healthier they were through this entire process because they didn't have the baggage that they had back during the, the Great Recession. So there, there's money out there, there's deals to be done, but it really takes a thorough understanding of what they're looking for and ability to be able to explain your business to them and, and never before have, have monthly trends mattered. You know, thinking about, I mean, I'm we're we're seeing co- you know really deep analysis on well, what's happening with the company's customers, um, you know, what's happening with companies' vendors. Um, you know, what What really for getting into even more granular forecasts and understanding where the company's going, their underwriting is very, very thorough. So it, it shouldn't be a surprise at this point. But but that's another one of those. Have some of those conversations today, because, again, you, you may not have a deal that renews till the end of the year. But if you know that you can plan for it, you might even find, boy, we've got a we've got to shop for another lender you know, and and we've got a client that's lender basically told them, you know, we're not going to renew your deal. You just don't fit in, you know, where we're going as a bank any longer. Everybody likes each other, but that's just business. Well, good to know that now when it's July, as opposed to, you know, at at the uh, first week of December, when all of a sudden we got to scramble to make something happen.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, a couple of points that you made that were really important there that actually even carry back over to what you were talking about with the M&A space. I mean, private equity groups have a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines, too. They're constantly looking for deals. The banks have the money to lend. They're healthier than they were you know, before. But this has shaken a lot of people, and it's, it's given up, given banks and everybody really an opportunity to say, let's kind of reassess what we're, what we're doing here and where we want to go from here. And we have a breath to be able to do that. And they're doing that. It's obviously their right to do that, but it just brings home the importance of that banking relationship, like you said, and understanding what it is that your bank is looking for from you and whether or not you fit in that box. And if you don't, there's another bank that has the box that you need them to have.
3: And, and, I, and I would tell you, too, just to echo it, if you are, if you are a small or mid-sized business, because this is universally asked. If you're a small and mid-sized business and you can't produce good month-to-month financials and the ability to give a bank a forecast, you're not going to get very far. Yeah, Because universally, that is the first thing that every single one is asking for right now. Um, so, you know, know that going in and then, you know, have a good conversation and see where it goes. But, uh, I mean, they, they want to help you. But just realize a bank's not just going to take a flyer because it and even two, you know, you may have had two really good months all of a sudden coming out of COVID. Well, that that's probably not enough. Yeah. You know, the bank's there to, to they're not there to be your friend. They're not there to give you money because it's their job to give you money. They're there to manage risk and make good decisions. You've got to prove to them that you're not a risk.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and having those financials in order even goes back to what you were talking about before and being ready to to be purchased at any point, right? Because if you can't produce financials for somebody who wants to buy your business, you're in the same spot. Mm-hmm. You, they don't just take your word for it and say, well, look at my bank account. Everything looks good. That You've got to have those financials dialed in. It's extremely important. And one of the other things that actually came up during that segment that that I wanted to mention real quick is that you have to be ready as a business owner to cross that threshold and not every business owner is ready. And so, you know, you've got to, it's not just the financial readiness. I've got enough money in the bank and then I sell it for, for this amount and I'm going to be good. It's, am I emotionally ready Mm -hmm. to let go of the reins of this business and move on to the next phase of my life? Mm -hmm. And we've got to be constantly thinking about that as business owners to say, "What am I going to replace this business with?" Because you've really lived and breathed that for the example you gave, sixteen years, and now all of a sudden it's time to do something different. And if you're not ready, it can be very detrimental. And you know, Landon and I and I have even cited other statistics on this radio program and with our clients that most business owners profoundly regret selling their business the day after they've sold it. And it has nothing to do with how much money's in their bank. It's that they, they were not ready for the other aspects of selling a business.
3: And, and I do think it does go to the question though of having an idea too. And it's part of what you're talking about with that planning and getting ahead of it. What, what is enough? Because I think that's another thing that a lot of business owners, I mean, you, you have you've never thought about selling, you get an unsolicited bid to buy your company. How do you know if that's a good number? If you haven't thought about it?
1: Yeah. Well, might yeah, you might want to spend
3: some time thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Do you know what your business is worth? Right. right? And like you just mentioned, do you know if it's enough to do what you need to do with that money for the rest of your life right. without being forced to start another business? You right. can if you want, of course, right. but, you know, it, it, we call that the value gap. So how much do you need to live for the rest of your life? Is the selling of the business going to fill that gap? And if not, what are we going to do to make sure that that does fill the gap by the time it's time, mm-hmm. time to cross that threshold? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so. Go so, right,
2: Yeah, no, I I was just going to say, you know, we don't have a ton of time left, Ryan. So let me let me just ask you what uh, you think would be most important to talk about. So we can kind of go one of two ways. Let's either spend the next 10 minutes or so talking about, you know, some thoughts around planning for the second half of the year or uh, which seems to be a super relevant topic these days, uh, the supply chain and or kind of the labor market i think every entrepreneur listening to this right now um a lot of us tend to play in the same space the 5 to 50 million of, of revenue space i think they're all feeling this 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 pinch this challenge of these either either the supply chain challenge or the labor challenge so maybe you can spend a couple minutes talking about uh, one or both of those but i'll kind of let you decide between those two areas and and just let, let's go down one of those two rabbit holes you you, you
3: decide sure well I'll, I'll 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 take the second but it'll actually uh interweave a little with the first so it, it'll it'll be good yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't take somebody paying super close attention to the news to know that that right now two problems we have are our supply chain and a very very tight labor market you know and and i think the the <laughs> The piece that we always go to, and this is something I talk about with, with you know our clients or just any entrepreneur we're having a conversation with, business businesses is, is, is climbing a mountain. And sometimes on that mountain, you're going up. Sometimes you're going down. Sometimes you're intentionally pausing at, gate, at base camp. And there's nothing wrong with, there, there can be a very good reason to do any one of those three. I think the key is, if you can't hire people, don't stop. There's still something you can do. Uh, you know, and, and, and so it is a case with labor. We're, we're doing this actually with a client right now is, is just relooking at what their cost profile needs to be, because they're approaching it from the standpoint of our culture is going to win. We have to pay our people more. So to be competitive, to pick up market share, their margin may go down a little bit, but they're going to make more gross margin dollars by doing this and executing it properly. So so use it, you know, use it to your advantage. Because I I think the the labor in particular I I see, I see some folks out there using that as a little bit of a crutch or a complaint, and and I still think it's something that can be overcome. Now it's also a great opportunity to look at you know where else can you be efficient in, in other you know in other parts. I mean there are manufacturers out there. If you can't get labor, is it an opportunity to look at you know maybe do you look at contract manufacturing and see what that does um you know maybe do you look at is is there some some equipment that you can go get that has much greater automation that maybe you can run it let's say you're only able to run it at 80% of the labor capacity you want well can you find something that gives you 20% more efficiency and and that may solve you know solve that equation so so i think you know two things is is number one i would use it on the table get your team involved and 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 really hash out okay what are all the ways we can do uh do something given in this labor environment because the answer is not just put your head in the sand and hope it passes it it probably will get better but how much we don't know you know because as these you know a lot of it's still you've got a lot of people that haven't come back to the workforce that that some will where they go we don't know and and you know in the restaurant business and others um and and let me touch on that for just a second because as you guys know that industry has a special place in my heart have a little patience with your local restaurant it's hard to get people. Food's going to come out slower. It may take you longer to get a table, but continue to support these guys because it, it's hard and they've been creamed as hard as anybody. So sorry, just had to interject that. But, but please go support your local restaurant. It, it matters and we need them. But the other piece of it is, is you know, and this goes to the forecasting side is, is plan on, OK, what if labor costs are just higher the rest of the year? What if you have to pay your people more? What if your labor costs go up five percent, ten percent? What does that look like in your overall model? And at least have that in the back of your mind of a what if? Because what if the answer is for the long-term success of your business, you just have to accept it and figure out how to operate your business in this new paradigm? Well, start planning. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, in that one manufacturer scenario, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, their labor cost has basically gone up two bucks an hour. We're just planning for it, and and we're reforecasting the rest of the year accordingly, and going to look at twenty twenty two the same way. So. I, I don't, it, it's, it's, it hurts. Um, I, I think it's affecting a lot of people equally. That's certainly driving some of this inflation that we're seeing out there, but I, I wouldn't plan on it going away anytime soon. So, so plan with that in your plans and, and and certainly use that going forward and understand what the implications are and what the options are. And then, you know, try to try to look at the different what ifs, like we always talk about. Um, shifting gears to supply chain, because you asked about that. And, and, and I would, Give you the same general framework i think with supply chain but but that one's interesting and we don't know how lasting some of this is going to be either and and we have a client of ours that that actually they will probably end the year about 18 to 20 percent below the revenue they could have done had they been able to get all their supply they could have sold everything that they had they just couldn't get enough um, so I, I would say the same thing from a planning perspective. So what does it look like if you've only, if you only get 80% of the product you need between now and the end of the year, what, what changes does that cause you to make? Do you, do you cut back on marketing spend? Um, you know, a lot of companies right now are diversifying, which I would say is very smart too. You know, maybe you had two suppliers before get four, um, you know, look at where you're supplying from, uh, you know, a, a lot of companies I think it's a good best practice. We're maybe heavily reliant in China that are now. China, Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, Mexico, even domestically. Um, so I think looking at, at where things are coming from and the other thing to be prepared for, and this is another you know piece going back to the banking conversation for a minute, you may want to sit on larger inventory positions than you were doing a year ago because you need to keep that 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 uh, raw material or that product in stock. Well, that takes money. So, you know, that's a good opportunity to go to your bank uh, and, and, again, have a good business case. But, but whether it's a use of internal capital or going to your lender, we may need to bump our line of credit a little bit because we're going to take larger inventory positions. It's going to allow us to sell through, but it's going to assure us that we have the product we need. So I, I think getting, I mean, no different than planning with anything. And, and right now it's supply chain and labor. A year from now, it's going to be something else. But, but put the variables on the table, understand the what ifs plan around it, you know, take some action. Because the thing I'll always say, the entrepreneur is always going to win. Always. It's, it's since, since entrepreneurialism began, the entrepreneur always won. And so if, if, if you're sitting on the sidelines too aggressively, if you're scared to make a move, chances are the competitor next to you is not. And being left behind is far worse than dealing with the supply chain issue right now.
1: Yeah, no, <clears throat> excuse me, no doubt about it. I mean, we've We have this whole program because we know that the entrepreneur, the small business owner in this country is truly the backbone of the economy. We know that no matter what happens with the tax code, the entrepreneur is going to lead our country out of this. Same thing with the pandemic. We said it when we started this program, which was right at the beginning of the pandemic, that the entrepreneur will figure it out. And and that's the greatest thing about the entrepreneurial spirit specifically in our country is that we put our foot forward and we figure out how to do it. Now, we're at the end of the program here, but if I were to wrap up essentially everything that you've said today, we've covered a lot of topics, but if I were to wrap it up into a really small sentence, it's that we've got to be proactive and plan for every aspect of our business rather than reacting, mm-hmm. right? Because the reality is, you're right, you put your head in the sand about the labor or the supply chain issues, everybody else is dealing with it too. Your competitors are having to pay more in labor costs too, so... If you've got to raise your prices to be able to still survive because you've got to pay your people more, your competitors are doing the same thing. So I I think sometimes we get too worried about, oh, I can't raise my prices because my business will go down. But we've got to understand the the macro picture and that it's not just us dealing with it. It's everybody. And it's okay to make adjustments midstream.
3: I I think that's that's very well said. And the only piece that I would add on to that is (laughs) have a little perspective, too. I mean, it, chances are few entrepreneurs went unscathed over the last 18 months. Look what you already got through. I mean, you you, you overcame the boogeyman that was COVID. You can handle labor or supply chain or the next issue that's going to be thrown at you, because I would tell you, even if their financials don't show it, a lot of businesses are much better off today than they were two years ago because they are more sustainable. They're able to weather these storms. Um, I, I I have the utmost faith in the entrepreneur. It's, it's going to be. It's always a roller coaster, but um, again, the entrepreneur is always, always going to win. That's not going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And they they took the
1: opportunity to examine their business a little bit mm-hmm. more, make some changes that yep. were needed all along the way, but they didn't take the time to do it before. And, and they were kind of forced or given the opportunity to do it this time. Mm-hmm. So, well, Landon, close us out. You're the you're the uh, show closer.
2: You got to bring in the heavy hitter to, you know, take it all the way home. <laughs> so, you know, Ryan, Austin and I we're we're planners, right? That's 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 kind of that's what we do. You are obviously a planner. A lot of business owners, that's just not necessarily something that comes naturally to them, right? So we we've sat here and in in my opinion, you guys probably agree we've had a super productive Uh, a great conversation. And a lot of it's been around, around planning, but for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this, they're going, you know, they might be going, that's, that's great, but I just, I don't have time. You know, I don't have time to do that stuff. I don't have time to plan for all these different things that you guys have, have talked about. So for that entrepreneur that might be saying that right now, what advice would you, would you give them so that they can start to uh, be a little bit more proactive in some of this stuff that we're we're talking about. I, I know you only got about a minute or two to answer, but oh, you're fine. Go ahead, please. I,
3: I I think I think the best piece of advice that I would say, one of my favorite quotes. There was a world-renowned um, mountain climber that that he was stuck in a blizzard on on a mountain in the Himalayas or Nepal or somewhere, and they asked him, "How'd you do it?" He said, "I just took the next three feet." And then the next three feet and the next three feet. And I three-footed my way all the way to the top. Bite it down to chunks. I, I, I think a lot of people, there's this misconception that planning is you got to sit in a conference room for a week and lock the doors. And you know, you're, you're, you're expending all this brain power. Quite simply, at the core of planning, understand what moves the needle in your business. If you understand what moves the needle and, and what, what threats are out there in front of you, that's a pretty good place to start. Work from there. Um, you know, get the team involved. It doesn't have to be something scary. But I would tell you, you know, it's one of those things, You, t- it's it's gotten a bit cliche, but working on the business, not just in the business, especially after COVID, I, I don't think you have a choice. And, and the other thing I would say is, to, to my point earlier, your competitor's probably doing it. So, you know, you don't need to have the, the world's best plan that's totally baked out with a nice pretty bow on it. But Take some time, think, understand what could happen, have something on paper, because the alternative is scary. Um, And and if you haven't thought about what happens, um, you know, think of it no different. I mean, you don't necessarily when you go to get in your car, think about the 20 ways that you're going to get from point A to point B. But what if what if as you're leaving the house, you find out that there's a really bad accident on the way? Well, you're going to go around that accident or figure out another route It's because you knew it was there. That's what planning is. Know, know what the other routes are to get where you're trying to go. Know what that end goal is and just put a little forethought into it and and do it in small chunks. You'll be better for it and, and you'll get better and more efficient as you go. It, it's not easy, but it's essential.
2: Yep, absolutely. And just to be clear, if somebody is listening to the show right now live or you know they're going to listen to this recorded here sometime in the future, all this stuff that we're talking about can you and your team, are, are you guys, I mean, is that what you guys do? Are you in a position to help entrepreneurs with a lot of this
3: stuff that we've been talking about? It, it's it's certainly what we do on a, on a regular basis. But the other thing I would say, you know, go to our website. I mean, by all means, if it's questions, I mean, I have a lot of entrepreneurs that reach out to me all the time. I'm, I'm always, I do this because I love the entrepreneur and I'm just fortunate to get paid to do what I love. Always happy to have conversations. If we can point people in the right direction, there's lots of great resources out there. Again, the Vistages, the EOs, those peer groups. We're always looking for good companies that we can help, but there's a lot of different options and certainly anything in my that I or my team can do even just to point somebody in the right direction. We're always happy to do that. I, I just want to see this entrepreneurial community get, get better, stronger, more sustainable. So uh, anything we can do towards that end, we're, we're all in and committed.
2: Yeah, well, we, we sure agree we sure appreciate you coming on and sharing all your uh, thoughts and suggestions and considerations Uh, for those people that do want to track you guys down, Ryan, And just pick your brain, have a conversation, buy you lunch. I mean, whatever, how do they, what's the best way for them to track you down?
3: Sure. I, I would encourage everyone to go to our website, uh, Fintrepid, uh, F-I-N-T-R-E-P-I-D, solutions.com. Um, we've got blogs we put out, lots of lots of content you can get to there. Um, you know, my contact info, so certainly feel free to connect with me. Connect with me on LinkedIn. We, we put a lot, of, uh, a lot of content out there as well, and uh, those are probably the two best options.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, Ryan, again, really, really appreciate uh, everything you do for the, for for the show, for the entrepreneurs in the community. And uh, yeah, look forward to having you on the show again in a few months, my friend.
3: Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan.
0: You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance.